on today's episode, we're going to be talking all about winter in the Sunshine State. We might not have snow, but seasons do exist in Florida if you know where to look. Welcome to Naturally Florida, a podcast about Florida's natural areas and the wild things that live here. I'm Lara Milligan. And I'm Shannon Carnavali. This podcast is brought to you by UF IFAS Extension in Polk and Pinellas Counties. I'm back! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, physically I'm back, you know, mentally maybe not so much, but yeah, we might have to wait a little bit for that, but it's okay. We're just excited to have you back. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be back and I'm super excited for this episode because we are going to be talking all about winter in Florida. And it has felt like winter in Florida for a couple of weeks now, I feel like. It sure has. I've been putting little mittens on my son, like even when he's <laughs> sleeping. So you know it's cold when we're whipping out the, the mittens. <laughs> I love it. I can just picture this adorable little tiny mitten. <laughs> So I know a lot of people, you know, we teach the seasons in school and there's, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall, and winter always has all the snow on the ground. And while we don't always have snow, you know, there's been rare occasions, <laughs> but we do have seasons in Florida. And so we just wanted to talk about like what winter in Florida looks like. Yeah. Because like you said, we do have seasons in, if you just moved down from up North, you might be like, mm, no, you don't. You totally don't. <laughs> but <laughs> To those of us who have lived here for a long time, maybe all of our lives, there are things that we look for. And even though Florida is generally mild all year round, I mean, we did talk about that right in our urban heat island episode, which was season two, episode one. We talked about how all the water in the state can help regulate temperature. And that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons that we have a mild winter. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm in favor of that. You're talking to two native Floridians here, so <laughs> y'all will have to bear with us. But yeah, we're, we're blessed with beautiful weather year round, which is one of the reasons lots of people like to come here. But I do want to say that we do have trees that lose their leaves. We do have, you know, maybe the fall slash winter colors happening here. So we want to talk about some of those trees. We'll talk about wildlife. We'll touch a little bit on water. But let's dive into some of the trees, Shannon, that we get to see change colors, lose their leaves, all that fun stuff. Right. Because we do have those seasonal changes if you know where to look. My absolute favorite winter tree in Florida without fail is the cypress tree. <laughs> yes. Like there's nothing more beautiful, in my opinion, than a gorgeous stand of bald cypress trees along a wetland or a lake. Just standing out there in the water when they've got those beautiful, rusty, orange, bronze needles after that first good cold front. And they're starting to lose their needles, but like they're still hanging on there. I just love it. I think it's iconic Florida. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons, like I always tell people, that's why it's called bald cypress, because they do, even though they're a conifer, which we typically associate with being evergreen and holding onto their leaves year round. Bald cypress is, well, cypress in general, pond or bald, are exceptions to that. They do lose their leaves. Yeah. And if they start to lose their leaves a little early in the season, I do get phone calls from people very concerned that their tree has died, especially yeah. new residents, because they expect them to stay green year round. But really, they 
don't all lose their leaves or change color at the same time. It depends on the exact microclimate that that particular tree is in because, and I think Larry, you're going to talk about this a little bit about the science of the needles changing color, but it has a little bit to do with wind. It has a little bit to do with how much sunlight that particular tree is getting at that particular time of year. And you might have a tree in one yard that's completely bronzed out and its neighbor's cypress tree is still pretty green and happy. So what's really going on there? Yeah. So, I mean, generally speaking, right, we we may know that plants produce chlorophyll, right? That's Mm -hmm. the way, well, we won't get into that science, but anyway, so (laughs) sunlight, you need, you need sunlight in order for that process to happen. And when we get into the fall and winter, we tend to have, well, less daylight. We'll just put it that way. Right. And so there's less chlorophyll being produced. And as that chlorophyll production is lessened, then other pigments that are in the leaves start to express their color. So it's, that's kind of like the science simplified quite a bit, but that is essentially what is happening. Chlorophyll production slows down, and so other colors are being expressed. And because eventually that production stops altogether, there's no point keeping those leaves on the tree, and so they fall off. Exactly. And for everyone who maybe has had a few years since their last high school biology class, chlorophyll shows up green. <laughs> so when there's Did less... I, yeah, I might have failed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so when you see green leaves on trees, on shrubs, in grass... That's the chlorophyll that you're seeing. So when the chlorophyll slows down and dies off, then you get those other pigments that Lara was mentioning. You might be more familiar with one called carotenoids, which are what make carrots orange also, and anthocyanins, which are more red. Right, Lara? Yeah. And this can make some of our other species that change color have a variety of colors. So hickories tend to have more of a yellowy golden bronze color sycamores, which I love in this part of the state. They don't always do well here in Central Florida, but they get bright, bright yellow leaves um, after a cold front or when the fall, when the daylight changes in the fall. Then you also get things like your red maples, which will be orange or red or burgundy, depending on their microclimate again and what part of the state they're in. Yeah, we have a lot of sycamores, right? near where I live. And just, I mean, obviously the leaves are giant, number one. So it's very <laughs> obvious when they change colors and fall off. And then, yeah, I, I, I love all the changes that we see, even if it's brown, which most people are like that. No, like I don't like the color brown. <laughs> it is. It's really pretty. Any change in color in Florida is a, is a nice change of pace. Agreed. And that sycamore leaf, when it falls, it is peak crunchy leaf. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. is the one that I am running outside the office to go stomp on is the sycamore leaf. <laughs> Yes. And I know crepe myrtles are another really common landscape plant. We have one outside my house as well. And I mean, we literally went away for Christmas break, came back, and I swear the leaves changed within a week. It was like green. And then we came back, beautiful, beautiful red, but all fallen on the ground. Yeah. My crepe myrtles at the house are also, they still have probably two thirds of their leaves, which is really strange, but they are a really dark, (laughs) like wine color. They're really pretty. Yes. Big contrast to the rest of the yard, which is still green. So obviously we can't touch on like every tree and plant that is deciduous and loses its leaves. But, you know, I think we've mentioned a few, the cypress, maple, sycamore, crepe myrtle, pignut hickory. We have tupelos here. Mm-hmm. Um, I know even like Virginia creeper, oh, which is yeah. a vine, turns a beautiful, beautiful red. So maybe we'll do a whole nother episode on just <laughs> deciduous plants and trees. I think that could be fun. But for the purposes of this episode, we wanted to start with leaves changing color and and our deciduous trees, because that's what people think of when they think of fall season and winter season is trees losing their leaves. 
But in Florida, I feel like the majority of things that I notice in winter are actually wildlife related. They're not always going to be trees because we do have so many trees that just stay green year round. Yeah. And that's another thing. Like, I don't think a lot of people would think about wildlife even being super active or anything in the winter, but there is a lot happening in the wildlife world. So we'll kind of switch gears and talk about that. I think probably birds are the number one thing that comes to people's minds, Mm -hmm. at least if you're in the bird watching world. (laughs) Well, and they're just so visible and so many people are into bird watching. It's a very easy thing to discuss the changes in the birds because of the migration. It's a little less obvious with some of our mammal species, for instance, but we'll talk about those in a few minutes. Um, One of the ones that I really love seeing in the winter is the American white pelican, which we've, Mm -hmm. we've talked about at length in our episode about white pelicans, which is season one, episode 10, if you haven't listened to it back in December of 21. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on American white pelicans, but We've been seeing them here in Central Florida since about mid-November. I would say this year I haven't seen as many, but I usually see them in December and January into February, and mm-hmm. they bring all kinds of fun other birds with them, like I'd build grebes and cormorants and hingas, huge flocks of them. That's awesome. Yeah, and kind of speaking on like some of the larger sized birds, I know I've been seeing lots of Canadian geese. Like I usually hear really? them first, and then I look up, and they're flat. Yes, it's. The coolest thing ever. Anyway, I love it. And yeah, yeah, it's just nice that they have a little refuge here, even our our most densely populated county in the state. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do they... Yes. I'm sorry, now I'm going to totally derail the episode because I need to know more about these geese. Is this a statewide thing where we can see Canadian geese migrating or is that more of a coastal thing? Do you know? That's a great question. I'm honestly not super familiar with the Canadian geese, so that will be my my homework. Maybe we'll have to report back on in the next next episode, but... Um, I know I've seen them pretty much every winter coming through at least Pinellas County. So if you don't see them there, maybe it is a coastal thing. Very cool. Well, I just might not notice. We'll put something in the show notes (laughs) when Lara does her homework. (laughs) Okay. Challenge accepted. Yeah. And kind of on a more smaller size bird, one of my coworkers, we're all big bird nerds here. That's no secret. But (laughs) he texted me. He's like, I just heard the first like mating call from a male cardinal which is, it's this laser beam sound. We call it pew, pew, pew. That's kind of like our in-house way that we describe it. But he's like, I just heard my first one of the year. (laughs) So if you guys are out and about and you hear, can I do this, Shannon? Can we play the call? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So if you guys hear this, that is a male cardinal beginning their kind of like territorial singing or trying to attract the ladies. <laughs> I love it. The male birds in all of our breeding species down here just have the cutest noises. I've been hearing a lot of wood duck whistles at my house. Ooh, that's fun. Oh my gosh. And they're just, it's the most precious noise. And you can hear it from a lot farther away than you would expect. So why don't we listen to that one real quick? Isn't that noise just adorable? So cute. Like, I just love, yes. Many bird calls, but wood ducks in particular is adorable. I love their little calls. And so we've been seeing them on the lakes here in Central Florida. The wood ducks are pairing up. They're looking for their nesting locations, which you really only notice in areas that have nest boxes. And we have a lot of nest boxes that got knocked out by Hurricane Ian because they were out in the water and, you know, there was a lot of debris out there. So 
I'm hoping that people are putting their nest boxes out in time so that these little wood ducks can find new home to love. But until then, I'm just going to enjoy all their whistles. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah. And there's lots of our larger like birds of prey that are starting their nesting activity. I know we have a pair of uh, eagles that are nesting on our power lines over here. And just yesterday on my drive home, I, out of the corner of my eye, I saw osprey carrying a bunch of nesting material. We have a lot of the platform nests along the light poles on the sides of the road. So I'll be seeing lots of that happening as well. So you guys definitely keep your eyes out for nesting activity with some of our larger bird species. Yeah. And I think this is a great time to bring up something that's probably more common in South, South Florida during winter than it is in the rest of the state. I know we have a little bit of it here, but in South Florida, this is also the time of year that roseate spoonbills will be nesting. And so Lara talked about our larger birds of prey up in, you know, a lot of central and northern Florida. And I mean, surely in South Florida also. But South Florida has a higher population of roseate spoonbills than most of the rest of the state. So that's a cool one to look out for nesting, especially in the Florida Bay area. Yeah. And I mean, any bird that's pink, in my opinion, is like awesome. <laughs> but spoonbills are like our next level. <laughs> they, they really take absolutely insane bird to a whole nother level. <laughs> so I don't know, Shannon, any other bird species you want to talk about before we maybe transition over to some of the mammal species? Yeah, there's just one. I think people might have noticed. I'm not sure if this is unique to freshwater systems, but people may have noticed large clouds of very quickly moving birds that are cheeping and chirping really, really quickly and just all over the place. We have lots of tree swallows in town now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I haven't honestly noticed them a lot here, but I know I have in-laws in your neck of the woods and I know whenever I'm there, there are tree swallows everywhere. Everywhere. At least this time of year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're just swooping everywhere. They look very much like bats, um, mm -hmm. but they hold their wings real still. So you can tell they're not bats. And they tend also right. to be active all day long. Right. <laughs> just everywhere. Yeah. You typically won't see bats out during the day. Hopefully not. Right. Um, and not in these numbers. I mean, it is right. a massive amount, at least the flocks that I've been seeing. But that that's about it. We can move on to mammals now. Yeah. I think probably for me on the mammal front, what first comes to mind are deer. And I know that might not be applicable everywhere in the state right now, because I know it's different from like North Florida to South Florida when they're most active and in mm -hmm. rut season. But right now we are seeing them all over the place. Um, unfortunately, also a lot of roadkill. Mm -hmm. So one of our call to actions that we don't have called out, but I'll say right now <laughs> is definitely if you guys know you have deer in the area, this is a time, especially at dawn and dusk, to really be paying attention. Keep your eyes on the road for deer crossing the street. Yeah, I saw a bunch of them last night right off of the shoulder of I-4. So it's not even just back roads that you need to be careful. Right. And I guess I should say rutting season is just, that is just when they are starting to find their mates and males will go out of their way and not pay attention when they are chasing a female. So yeah, a lot of our mammal species are, because winter is so mild here, a lot of our mammal species are beginning their breeding and courtship. Um, in Florida, mm -hmm. that's just a normal winter thing. Now we're going back to birds, but same thing for owls. <laughs> so there's just a lot of courtship going on in this time of year. And it's yeah. it's no different for our mammal species. Yeah. And it times out well, because then by the time they have their pups, it's spring, everything's active. There's lots of food available. So there's reasons for this timing. 
Yeah. So hopefully everybody knows we have Florida black bears all throughout the state. There is not a single area in the state where there are not black bears. They just might not be as populous in some areas, but they're typically less active in the winter. So in the fall, they're super active. This is when we see them in the news a lot because they're out looking for food. They're preparing for the Florida version of hibernation. So Florida black bears don't hibernate. They do something called denning. And they'll just have a reduced activity that happens for all black bear populations. But it's it's kind of similar to hibernation for the pregnant females. For the males mm-hmm. and females that aren't pregnant, it just is a couple of weeks, maybe a month, where they're just less active and kind of sleepy. But the pregnant mothers, they will do something that's more similar to hibernation. So in general, black bears are going to be a lot less active in Florida's wintertime. Yes. And again, we could do a whole episode on black bears and maybe we will in the future. Mm. So actually, there is one other thing that's inactive this time of year and that's rain. Oh, you're right. So we just, yeah, we'll just quickly transition, touch on water. We are in the dry season right now, so less rain. So any water sources that are available are critical for the wildlife, especially our migratory species coming through. Mm-hmm. We talked in our alligator episode, I think we mentioned the Shannon about them being ecosystem engineers. I'm pretty sure. Well, if not, we're mentioning it now. If not. (laughs) (laughs) So they do create these little, what we call wallows and those kind of hollowed out, hollowed out. Yeah. Shannon, help me. They kind of like shimmy themselves down in the mud and make little pockets of lakes that are smaller. Pockets. That's a better way. (laughs) Pockets. And those pockets, when we do get little bits of rain, do hold water. And that's critical for species big and small, small fish, frogs, mm-hmm. and then which of course attract other species there to feed on them. So huge, huge service that alligators are providing in the dry season. Right. And people might not be thinking about that so much this year because we did have such a wet, rainy season. But in years where we're facing drought, this little ecosystem engineer aspect of the alligators creating those wallows for the other species to get water is so, so important. And that's mm-hmm. when it's a really great idea to provide water for migratory birds like a bird bath or something if you want to. But with that, let's jump over to call to action. Yeah. So I think kind of the point that Chin and I want to get across here is that there are lots of things happening even in winter in Florida. And we encourage you. I mean, the weather's beautiful. It's a great time to get outside. If you aren't a bird nerd yet, join my <laughs> club. I'm telling you, it's awesome. Every county, I'm pretty sure has some Audubon chapter or maybe your county nearby. You can reach out to them, see if they have a bird watching event coming up. It's a great time to learn because there's not a lot of leaves on the trees. So they're a little bit easier to see. And there's really cool migratory birds coming through right now. So Mm -hmm. it's an exciting time. If you're thinking about becoming a bird nerd, just do it. (laughs) You can also be a bird nerd light like I am. Like, I think the birds are cool, but like, I can't identify most of the little ones that are coming in with the migration. <laughs> like, oh, that's pretty. I should send a picture to Lara. And I love it. And y'all can do the same too. <laughs> I love it. Cool. So the call to action that I want to bring up is it's also Florida Arbor Day in January because mm-hmm. it's really hot during National Arbor Day a lot of the times. So trees don't always do so well in April, which is when National Arbor Day is. But Florida Arbor Day is the third Friday in January every year. And there are a couple of ways that you can contribute to Florida Arbor Day. You can plant a tree that will bring some fall color to your yard if you want to make seeing the seasons easier. (laughs) Or you can do my favorite thing, 
which is support community and urban forestry in your city or town. Let your municipal staff know that you value the work they're doing with trees. Tell your elected officials that you want trees in your neighborhood for all the reasons that we mentioned today, but also the reasons we mentioned in that urban heat island episode and Mm -hmm. all the reasons we're going to mention in the future, I'm sure. Yes, yes, for sure. And of course, not only doing that provides aesthetic value, but habitat, food sources for our native and migratory species. So I think that's a great way to wrap up, Shannon. I hope you all learn to enjoy winter in Florida a little bit more if you don't already. (laughs) And we will catch you all at our next episode. Thanks for listening to Naturally Florida, a podcast about Florida's natural areas and the wild things that live here. Stay updated on new episodes by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend. Naturally Florida is produced by your hosts, Shannon Carnavali and Lara Milligan. If you have questions or suggestions, submit them online at naturallyfloridapodcast.com. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Florida's Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences Extension, an equal opportunity institution. Thank you for listening.